Hello, everyone, and welcome to Divine Hope. I am Pastor Tim, and today we have a special guest with us, uh, Evangelist Gwendolyn Brown. And if you're not inspired by her story, well, then you just can't be inspired. So, Gwendolyn, we're so glad to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Pastor Tim. I am honored to be here today. I want to thank the Lord for this opportunity. I'd like to thank you and Pastor Collins for inviting me. So before we get into your testimony and the amazing story that I've already heard from you about um, God's deliverance for you in several areas of your life, I want to start with you telling us a little bit about who you are. Uh, I understand that, you, that you're an evangelist, but what is it that God has called you to do in your life today? My job as an evangelist is to sound the alarm. It's time that people know that the Lord is on His way back. The Bible is revealed before us every day. We're seeing the wars, we're seeing the, the senseless killing, we're seeing the hate crimes. It's time for us to stand up and declare the day of the Lord is fast approaching and it's time for the church to take their stand. Amen. Uh, and you know, it's active, right? Uh, yes, it is. Lots yes, of people think serving the Lord means coming and sitting in the pew, listening, no. which, is, which of course, as a pastor, I would say is important, <laughs> right? But that's not all we do. That's the preparation for what we do. And so uh, sounding the alarm. So, you know, I, I, I like the passion in, what, in how you describe being an evangelist. Um, I was thinking when you were saying that, um, prophet. So in your mind, um, I know I didn't prepare you for this question, but in your mind, what is the difference between an evangelist and a prophet? A prophet foresees the future and they tell what's about to happen. Evangelists go and take the word wherever it needs to be told. And that's my job to tell people, I may not be the one crying out on the mountain, but I could be the one on the street corner. I could be the one in the church. I could be the one on my job being a witness and example about Jesus Christ, because now's the time. It's our time to go forth to church. Some doors are closing. Some people are walking away, but now is the time for the church to really take a stand. This is what the church is designed for, to tell the people to get ready to meet the Lord. And it's our day and time. It's in our hands now to do that. Amen. Throwing seed for God's farmers. It's, it's our time. So I did read your testimony, and I'll be coming back. Uh, I'll be coming back to, to some specifics in that as we continue doing. And that testimony is going to be coming out in a book, right? And that yes. book's called "I Am," like God said, right? When Moses asked Amen. who he was. Amen. I like that. I am inspired. Um, and in your testimony, you talk about the saying, which is was really made popular by that by that uh, movie, "God's Not Dead." when people say God is good all the time, all the time God is good. But you had an interesting take on that. And so uh, what, what do you feel about the saying God is good? People have said that God is good and all the time God is good. It's just like a saying. It's just like something you repeat. But when I begin to think about we're, we're so limited with our vocabulary as to what words really describe an awesome God. Yes, he's good, but to me, God is better than good. God is awesome, he's mighty, he's holy. We can't reference him enough for the goodness that he does. When he picks us up and turn our life around, that's the goodness. To wake up every morning with breath in your body, to be in your right mind, that's the goodness of God. Not that we've lived a perfect life, it's just that God is just that good to spare us. When we deserve to die, he still spared us. When we should have went to the cross, he went in our place. And I thank him for that. I thank him for opening my eyes to allow me to see the goodness in the day that I'm living in. I haven't lived a perfect life. None of us have. So I all have sin and come short. I'm one of the big sinners 
But I thank God that he had mercy on me and he had grace and allowed me to see his righteousness and to cry out to him and he saved me. Amen. Amen. There's no, you know, and there's God's no respecter of persons, right? So big sinners or little sinners, that doesn't exist. It's <laughs> We're sinners. Amen. He died and for us all. He died for us all, mm -hmm. you know. And I was actually just studying Galatians 3 this morning. And uh, it just hit me, you know, because of course we know we say we're saved by faith, right. not, not works, right? But then the question is, well, w you know, why do anything then, right? And that, of course, is the thing Paul addresses. But it hit me when I read it in there that um, that Jesus, you know, he died on the cross for us all, right? But he said um, the law could not um, justify. It could only condemn. And I've always read that with a focus on the law. But really the focus is on us. The reason it can only condemn is because we all break it, right? It's not a failure of the law. It's a failure of us. That's right. And so that's why the, the only answer is, is Jesus. That's it. Yeah. In the times we're living in today, people are looking for the answer. You can't look to the president for the answer. You can't look in the books for the answer. You've got to go to Jesus. Go he to Jesus. is the only answer. He is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. And we have to cry out to him. And all the things that are going on today, we need Jesus like never before. Amen. Now, I think that thankfulness is a characteristic that Christians need to practice more often. We, we sometimes get to the point where we think about God as our genie in the bottle. And, uh, you know, the thief, if you look at the two thieves on the cross, the one said, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and save us. You know, he was looking to Jesus as a quick fix mm -hmm. for the problem he was in. But the other one recognized who he was and said, remember me. Right. And, and I don't think we we ask Jesus, remember me often enough. Um, but you thank God for a lot of things in your life. As yes. I read through your testimony for protecting you, for delivering you, yes. for loving you. Can you talk a little bit about what leads to your gratitude for Jesus? When you've been down and on the wrong path and you've tried to figure it out yourself and you kept digging a deeper hole, I was the type of person that I got this God, I can handle it. Step back, I got it. And then when I messed it up, then I needed the Lord to pull me out time after time after time again. He never did me like your parents would say, I'm tired of fooling with you. I'm tired of talking to you. He just said, okay, I still love you and I still understand. And it's that love and kindness that draws me in closer to the Lord when he didn't have to love me, but he did anyway, in spite of my errors, in spite of all my wrongdoing. And when you've messed up as many times as I have and the Lord said, I still love you, it's that forgiveness that, that makes you wanna love him back in return. It's like, how can you love someone like me? But he does. And I thank God that he loved me in spite of, that he reached out and I could feel his love standing there waiting for me. I, I think about the prodigal son. I was looking at that today. And as I was looking at it, the prodigal son was lost. His dad wasn't lost. His brother wasn't lost. The servants were lost. They were still at the house. The prodigal son left. He spent his life doing things that not pleasing or catering to his flesh and righteous living and righteous living. And, but when he realized I can go back to my father. And I like that it was said when he came to himself, when you come to yourself and realize I've done everything that I wanted to do, that I was big enough to do, it does not bring you the satisfaction. It does not bring the joy that you thought you would have. Then you realize life is empty, 
but you can find that fulfillment in the Lord. You can go back home to him, not necessarily the prodigal son's father, but I'm talking about my heavenly father. You can go to the heavenly father, you can cry out to him, and he will receive you back in because he was just waiting all the time. And it's not that the Lord is lost. I hear so many people say, well, the Lord found me. No, he didn't find you. And it just hit me today. You were the one lost. He knew where you were all alone. That's right. You know, he knew you before you were even born. Mm. He knew you before you even did the wrong thing and turned the wrong way. But you were lost. You were the one who needed help. But he was just waiting for you to recognize and cry out to him. He was never lost. We are lost. We are lost. We're the one that are lost, not I, him. I always picture that if you can't see God, turn around because you're the one that has turned away. That's it. That's right. And he's just standing there waiting patiently, waiting because he knows you'll eventually find your way back. But we are the one who need him. He doesn't need us. Yeah. You know, and I think about this. So many times people think that God needs them or God needs your testimony or God. No, you need him. He doesn't need us. Amen. And we're just grateful that he used us. We're grateful for the just the platform that we have today to tell others about the goodness of the Lord. But he, if we don't answer, somebody else will. That's right. I don't want to have to be thrown in a fish to get him to make me talk. I don't. I don't want to do the Jonah. Lord, I'll speak. I'll talk. You know, mm -hmm. whatever you want me to do. But that's when you're grateful when you know it's the goodness of the Lord that you just whatever you say to Lord, I'll do it. I'll be your spokesman today. I think it was Isaiah that said, here I am, Lord. Send Ooh, me. that's it. That's it. That's that it. I, had a, I had a hard time with that scripture. Mm. I would never say that they had the song that they were saying, here am I, Lord, send me. I never would sing that when the church was. No. I don't want to be sent. I don't want to say, mm. here am I. But when you realize, and when you've been in the belly of the fish, if you have to, when you've been mm. drugged through the mud, and when you have no strength, and you have no other hope, you say, Lord, what do you want from me? You realize that it's that breath that you have came from the Lord. The fact that I turned left instead of going right, somebody else did the same thing and they lost their life, but he spared me. That's the stuff that makes me draw closer to God, the things that make me draw closer to him. Amen. And I, I appreciate that. Somebody said to me the other day, God will never ask you to do anything you don't want to do. And I said, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> right? He asks me to do or tells me to do things all the time, right? And I said, please, God, I don't want to do that. I mean, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, if there's mm -hmm. any other way. Right? Yes. So it's not about it's not about us. It's about him. And one of the things, Gwendolyn, that I love about you, if I can say that, and I, I, I saw this the first time we met, because we, we've only met a couple times. That's true. Um, but the first time we met, I saw this, and now you're displaying it to you. You're a powerful woman. Jesus. But you are, you've got a humility in the Lord that people need to learn. And I think that's a job hazard of a lot of powerful preachers is they forget, you know, and I, I, I hesitate to say a name because some people like them, but um, Jenny, I, I never forget Jesse Duplantis was preaching one day and I was watching him on the TV and he said, oh, wait a minute, Lord, I'm talking, you know, and I thought, oh man, you're, you've elevated yourself to it. Now we're, but we can come to him boldly. We're powerful with, the, with God's power coming through us, but it's all him. Thank you, Jesus. And you have the perfect balance of, you, of a strong Christian and humility. And I just love that. I think when I've, I've said, not me, Lord, don't use me so many times. And he still was patient with me until now that I realized there's a purpose for God saving me. There's a purpose for all the things that happened in my life that were ugly, that I couldn't talk about. But there was a reason that God allowed that to happen. So now I can tell others that God is still a deliverer. 
He can still save. He still heals. And he's still there waiting. He didn't lose his power. He hasn't given up his authority. He is still there. He is still the almighty God. He's just waiting for us to tell. And when you go through situations, you realize what a good God he is. Amen. And it goes back to what we said. God is good all the time. He's He's more than good. You know, and we, we underestimate that, like you said, that word good, because the Bible says Jesus responded. Mm-hmm. Why do you call me good? Mm-hmm. There is no one good but right. God. So God's goodness is not what we think of as goodness. It's it's so much more. And I, and I think one of the, the reasons that we underestimate God's goodness is because we underestimate our sinfulness. You know, how often do we excuse sins away, right? Um, you know, we, we, we condone lying when it's to save someone's feelings. But sinfulness is utterly sinful. Mm-hmm. And that's how you recognize God's goodness, because oh, yes. that's what he forgave. Yes. And when we minimize our sin, we're minimizing his forgiveness. And that, that to me is a tragedy. Amen. So if we can get into some of the personal parts sure. of your testimony. Um, I know there was a time in your life when you suffered uh, with manic depression. Yes. Um, and like I said, I know that's personal, but tell us what it was like to, to suffer from that and how in the midst of that, you, the Lord delivered you. I didn't know what manic depression was at the time that I was going through it. Um, being abused as a child at uh, nine years old, sexually abused, and having to keep quiet. And then when you finally open up to be called a liar and to be said, you're a tramp and you made it all up and no one would do that to you. So you got to deal with that as a child, not knowing how to handle it. And then you grow up and you marry someone who abused you sexually, abused you physically and mentally because they don't understand what the word submissive means. So they think that means control and that means fighting and and in the process of all this stuff, the turmoil, and it's all tied in together because you never handled the nine-year-old problem. Now you've got a 29-year-old problem, and you're just going from one situation to the other, trying to find peace, trying to find love in the wrong places, as I can say. But in the midst of all the confusion and the, uh, the abuse, physical and spiritually, and then trying to raise your kids, and being isolated from the world because isolation is what the devil used to get to you when no one says they love you, you know, the bills are not being paid, you know, no food in the house, an eviction notice in your face, and it's all that pressure of what do I do now? You know, I tried to live a good life, I tried to be the Christian and the Sunday school teacher and the minister, but I don't want anybody to know what's really going on in my home when I leave church. And in spite of all that, God still delivered me, even when I didn't know my name and I wasn't able to tell people how I was feeling. And my husband was getting ready to have me committed, saying there was something wrong with me. And the pastor looked at him and said, no, she's tired, not getting enough rest, not eating. You know, I never lived like that. So I was living worse than I ever lived in my life when I was married to this man. And I just laid there and I cried because I couldn't tell nobody and I didn't know how to come out of it. And I just snapped. I, I didn't remember my name. I didn't know where I was. I, and I just laid there and just cried. And I just felt like I could hear this voice saying, well, why don't you go ahead and die? Mm. 
why don't you kill yourself? Nobody loves you anyway. And when I would turn the television set on, it's like my life was being played on the television, which in my head, that's what you know. I thought I was seeing. Everything that I did in my life that was wrong, it's like I turned the television on, I could see my life. And it was just the enemy accusing me and, and putting things before me that I couldn't figure out at the time. And when I tried to explain to my husband what I was feeling, he just told me to leave him alone, you know. So I had no help. I tried to call my family. They didn't understand what was going on. They were just like, oh, get back to you later. And in fact, one of the things I remember telling my sister is that I'm on my way to Africa. They still didn't know that I wasn't in my right mind. I said, I'm on my way to Africa to meet the president. No one still figured out that I was losing it, that the pressure. I went to church like I did every Sunday to teach Sunday school, but in Sunday morning service at 11 o'clock, I fell apart. Mm. I got up and I disrupted the whole service and I was pulling people out the choir stand and pulling, I, I had no control, I had lost control. But in the midst of losing control, in the midst of losing my mind, if you want to say, and not knowing what was going on, I, all I knew was the word Jesus. And I began to call on Jesus. I didn't know my own name. If you'd asked me, I couldn't tell you because I didn't know. My mind was completely gone. But in the midst of all that, Jesus came through and delivered me. Jesus saved me. He began to speak to me and he began to comfort me. And I cried out to him and he answered me. And when I did finally go to the, the medical doctor, he said, if you'd have come in, in the state you were in, we would have given you medication and a shock treatment to bring your mind back. But I thank God that all I did was call on Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank God for deliverance. You know, that now I can tell the doctor and mm. I can tell other people that no matter what you're going through, he's still a healer. He can still bring you out. Medicine is good. The doctors are good. That's not what I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that at the state I was in, there was no doctors there. There was no family. All I had was the Lord. And I thank him for coming in and delivering me. That, I mean, that's a great point. And I, I'm, I'm one that believes that the science that we have today, the medical breakthroughs, the, the, the doctors, all of that is part of God's special yes, revelation. But God's the healer, yeah, yeah. right? If we put our hope in that medicine, that's going to fail us. People are abusing it. The the drug companies are taking advantage of the needs, right? There's all kinds of evil that exists within the good of, of the medicine. But but Jesus is the healer. That's who we need to, to put our faith in. And, you know, you're, I, I'm, I'm, I'm touched by your story because um, too many of our of our women um, have experienced that that type of thing. And um, our men need help. And and um, you know what I see in those stories, and I and I you know I I, I say this to couples when I'm when you know when we're doing premarital counseling mm -hmm. because men like to look at the the scriptures that talk about wives being submissive, but they don't ever look at the scriptures where it tells about what the husbands need to do, and and like you said they don't they don't recognize what submission means. You know when Christ went to the cross, that was an ultimate example of submission. You know he wasn't um, overpowered. He wasn't controlled, you know. He wasn't uh, made to do something he didn't want to do. He voluntarily went to the cross in submission to to the Father. Yes. And when when there's a godly husband who's spiritually leading the home, that's when the 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 pair works together. But uh, men who aren't following God and who are um, who are controlling, um, that's that's not who God's telling women to be submissive to. Exactly. And so um, I think men get that wrong. So I'm sorry that, that you went through that. 
But I do know that uh, although there's many reasons that we experience trouble in life, right? sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's other reasons, but I know the Bible is clear that we go through things, godly people go through things so that we can be there to help somebody else. Amen. And that's why I was so excited to, to have you tell your story Thank because you. there's so many women that have experienced that, that they need to hear you yes. when you say Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. Today, tomorrow, yesterday, he's the answer. He's the only answer. And it's, it's time for us to tell people that it's not about the drug, it's not about the alcohol, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And everything you're looking for, it will not satisfy that longing for him, it's him. That's right. Where things are worldly, there'll be failure. But oh, yes. There's no, failure is never final when Jesus is involved. Thank you, Lord. Um, sometimes in our life, in situations like that specifically, I, I, I have family members that, that have gone through it. We can become codependent upon those in our lives, e even those that we don't like or that are controlling us, right? That can create a very um, codependent relationship that's hard to get out of. Um, and I understand that you had to deal with that both physically and mentally from, from multiple husbands. Yes. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Um, and what advice? I know you talked to, you know, about Jesus, but what advice do you have for women today that are going through similar circumstances? How, how do they break that codependence? Number one, you need to pray and ask God to give you guidance. Uh, number two, I think you need to consult someone who has some knowledge of how to handle that. Uh, seek help. If you got to talk to your pastor or a counselor, talk to someone but don't keep it in. Keeping it inside is the worst thing you can do. Being ashamed is the worst thing you can do. It's gotta come out. And for my story to come out late in life, I'm 70 years old now, but I thank God that he brought me through it. And I tell other people, most people tell me to be quiet, don't talk about it, you need to leave it in the past. But if I leave it in the past, how would others know yeah. that they can be helped? Why do they have to be tortured and go through what I went through? Right. You know, so. I thank God for the knowledge and the understanding that it wasn't my fault because you think it's, it's your fault. What did you do? I went through all that and it's nothing that I did, but I give God the glory for pulling me out of it and for opening my eyes to the fact that he is a healer and he can help and he still will help and save and deliver. And we live in a world where people are mean. They have no regard for God. They do anything that they think they're big enough to do, but God is still aware and he still will take care of that situation. So I don't have to get back at anyone. I just have to live the life and be thankful for what he's done for me. So the obvious um, beneficiaries of your story are women that have gone through similar things. Um, but you know who also is a beneficiary is the pastors that receive those women when they follow your advice. Right. And as a pastor myself who, who does pastoral counseling, um, sometimes it's difficult to know exactly what to say to someone who's, you know, who's confessing that they've gone through this. So what's your advice to pastors that are dealing with a church member that, that has experienced this? What, you know, how do they handle that situation in a way that maintains her dignity, but you know, points her, of course, to Christ, but to, to other areas that may help? I think the first thing a pastor needs to do is to be a good listener and listen without finding fault or without judging the person, but listen because 
everyone has a story and you don't know how deep that hurt is. Sometimes just to listen, just to be able to speak to someone and then they can intercede with God for that person and they can encourage them through the word and through the situation, let them know I'm here for you and, and just counsel with them, you know, because it's a very hurting feeling. It's a very hurting feeling. It's a very hurting feeling, but once you find the confidence in your pastor or your counselor or whoever you confide in, it would be worth it. It would be worth it. That's amazing. And um, I'm so glad that you're with us here today and that, um, that you're willing to share your story. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you, that you wanted to get out there? I don't think so. Alright. Well, I pray that God will use your story and the personal um, information that you shared today to inspire others to look to Him for the answer. Um, this, uh, I will give you the link to this. Of course, thank you all your listeners, all the listeners of, um, of um, Divine Hope, the podcast, wherever podcasts are, are, uh, are available. Um, but we're also going to be filming the TV show next week, right? So I yes. want to point the listeners to uh, Faith in Action TV. Uh, it's on uh, a couple different Roku stations, but you can find it at ptwwntv.com slash Atlanta channel. And that'll air um, Saturday uh, the uh, 23rd. I think I have the date right. So right before Christmas, that'll air at 830 Central. And, uh, and so thank you so much for being with us today. And um, we should have started with a prayer, but let's, let's end with one. Is that all right? Amen. All right, let's bow together. Heavenly Father, thank we thank Jesus. you so much for for bringing the evangelist with us today. You thank know, you, um, as evangelists, we're called to throw seed, and um, I pray that we did that today. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that anyone who's listening, I, I pray that you send those to this podcast that need to hear this story so that they can see the hope that we have in Jesus. We know that we, we desire our prayers to be answered immediately upon praying them, but we but we know, we recognize today, Lord, that in the time between our prayer and your answer, that's the time for faith. And so we just pray, Lord, that those that are listening today that are struggling with similar issues, that they have faith that Jesus is the ultimate physician, that he is the Savior, and that he is the deliverer. There's no doubt. We don't need to, we don't need to wonder. We can know. And so we praise you, Lord, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen.